Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to episode five of our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. My name is Joe Morata. I'm alongside Michael Quinn. Wow, five episodes. Five already. episodes. We have made it to the coveted five episode mark. And WrestleMania five. <laughs> WrestleMania five. The mega powers explode here today, folks. We're here to talk to you about wrestling, of course, retro wrestling, things we remember, and some things we wish we didn't. Quinn, how you doing? It's good to be back with you for yet another week. So many years. So many. So many weeks now. <laughs> we have 40 years, folks, of combined fandom. So is this like the fifth year anniversary show? This is our five-year anniversary one, right now. Yeah. One episode a year, right? Yeah, that's, that's how we do this. It's five years later now from when we started. Wow. We're that's so crazy. old. We yeah. got so old so quick. I wonder what's happened in the WWE since then. You know, I really don't want to know, but I have a feeling Vince is still running things. Probably, yeah. I would imagine Would so. he ever not be? <laughs> he won't till the day he dies. <laughs> Let's be honest yeah. here. Folks, we're going to talk about simpler times uh, and happier times as we go on the next hour here. Got some topics ahead for you. I know one of them because I'm going to start it. Okay. I'm going to give you a missed opportunity, Quinn. Here we go. This is one that's probably common knowledge, but it grinds my gears a bit is a phrase we like to use yep. here. Yes, it is. <laughs> you all know my favorite wrestler by now, if you don't, is Brett the Hitman Hart, right? Yep. And I'm a big supporter of Brett Hart. Brett. I know uh, not everyone agrees with that, but that's all right. So, for various reasons. For various and fair reasons. reasons. Some of them are justified, but I would like to say a very missed opportunity was the way they used him in WCW. Oh, it's lousy. Absolutely lousy. Just so right? bad. Yeah, I mean, there's a myriad of bad things they did with him. Look at Quinn busting out the $10 words yeah, today. Yeah, there you go. Myriad. See, folks, for some background on this, and I'm sure. This has been covered in much more detail and much better than we could ever do. But for two guys in a basement, this is what you're going to get, okay? Brett the Hitman Hart was part of, of course, the Montreal Screwjob in November of 1997. A very notorious event. A very notorious event. Something I thought I'd never see in my lifetime. Yeah, seriously. It was a big deal at the time. Shawn Michaels, of course, was fighting Bret Hart. At the time, they weren't getting along. They were they were rivals in, in real, real life. life. In yeah, real life. In the real times. So Brett had already signed with WCW right before this, and... Uh, for a lot of money, I may have. For had. a lot of money. Was it, what was it, like $20 million or no, something no. stupid? No, no. It was somewhere along the lines of $3 million a year, Okay, $3 million a year, but wasn't it for like 10 years or no, something? No, it was for three, I think. Three. Okay. I think so. But so regardless. $9 million. $9 million. And that's, you know, Vince could not pay that back That's then. a lot I mean, of money for 1997. Sure. Exactly. So they have this match at Survivor Series 97, of course, where uh, Bret Hart's defending the world title against Shawn Michaels and allegedly the agreed upon... Uh, decision to the match was going to be would be a double DQ or a schmoz, as Bret Hart called it. Right. A big schmoz. A big schmoz, as Bret calls it, but that wasn't really what uh, Vince McMahon had in mind. No, so... And I don't blame him either, retrospectively. Yeah, and we can get into the opinions on that, but I I can't say that I blame Vince either. As much as big a Bret Hart fan as I am, Yeah, he had to protect his business at the time. So he screwed Bret out of the title. Yeah. That's undisputed, obviously. A fake uh, submission. submission. Referee Earl Hebner called for the bell when Brett was in the sharpshooter. He didn't really submit, of course, and that was it. So Shawn Michaels had the world title. Brett Hart then shows up in WCW about a month later. Right. Right before Starcade. And it's very weird from the beginning because— This ties into our previous discussion about Sting— stuff in, in 1997 in, in WCW yeah. 97 yeah so so Brett shows up and they just from the beginning it was clear they didn't know what to do with this guy oh they didn't they had no idea what to do with Bret Hart they did a lot of things wrong like that so basically they gave Brett the role of referee in the in the match with Sting and Sting lost or something before, and Brett said, no, 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 that count wasn't real because it was an NWO ref, Nick Patrick, I believe. He was the the assigned ref, but he wasn't an NWO ref anymore at that point, which right. made it even more convoluted. That, yeah, and then it's, it almost felt like the finish got messed up. And I, I guess maybe maybe their intention was it was supposed to be reminiscent of the screw job, and I think that's what the intention was, and that they, but it looked like, 
kind of that Sting lost more so than he got screwed. It was pathetic. After yeah. all this buildup, Sting got they, pinned for They should have just done it a submission the same exact way because then that makes it like, well, if you, you the audience member, cannot hear him say, I quit, because this was before the time of tapping out. That wasn't really a thing yet. Yeah, that's true. So... Instead, they go for the pin thing, which makes Sting looks like he lost. They they say it's a quick count, but, yeah, but it, it doesn't really look like a quick count. No. Then Brett, you know, comes in and saves the day, and now he's the ref. And that's how Bret Hart got started in WCW, and it really only got worse from there. You know, the thing that I always had a problem with is that they gave him the U.S. title. Yeah. Even though he had always been the world champion. They eventually gave him the world championship, but what a downgrade. I mean, Bret was not a U.S. title contender guy anymore he wasn't a no. mid-card title guy that's at true. that point in time he had some weird feuds you know some curious feuds honestly the only thing i remember the most is the l dandy thing everyone remembers the l dandy promo and right. if you don't i'm sure it'll be uh, uh, appearing as i'm talking <laughs> right now it probably will be <laughs> yeah but basically bret hart gave this funny promo in 1999 when, when he was a heel and you know what that's the other thing about this whole wcw run how many times did this guy switch from face to heel for no reason yeah he wasn't even there long because i mean his run was basically like u.s title world title gets kicked in the face by goldberg and that's the end of and it that was pretty much it early 2000 he was gone right and it was all so fast it was and a lot of it was so forgettable yeah i mean i cannot believe and i can believe because it's wcw and they're no longer with us right and brett <laughs> came reasons. in brett came in unfortunately for him and I always say this, and I know it's a defense of WCW, but he came in when the bat, like the two final bad years started. He did, but if he had come in a year earlier, I think he might have worked out better. Honestly, but do you think that they could have at least done Brett versus Hogan for once? They should have. That should have been the first thing. If he screwed Hogan out of the title, te- like in right. Hogan's eyes, he screwed him out of the title. How did they not do at like Super Brawl or something? Right. Right. It should have been the next paper, the next big paper. Yeah, because not WC- sold out. Yeah, because WCW had a bunch of pay per views. Right. Like they they were the first to do the once a month thing. Yeah, they were. But like you know whatever the big four of WCW was, I guess it would have been Super Brawl. Super Brawl was definitely one of the big yeah, ones. Yeah, because they put numbers on the end of Super Brawl, so it would have been a big deal. Super Brawl. Knowing WCW, if they did it, they would have done it like Clash of the Champions or Nitro or something, you where know what? nobody would have ever paid to watch it. But Honestly, I why am I, why do I have this sick feeling that they did probably have like one match ever, and it was probably on They Nitro. probably did. They probably did. We'll probably find out after we did this from either the fans, or we'll look it up on Google, one yeah, of the two. Because that would make perfect wcw sense to do that right. match in like you know march of 98 when but isn't no one cares it, isn't that kind of the point you don't even remember if they did do that hogan match i'm almost yeah. positive they didn't <laughs> that, but you don't that's kind of the point you're not really sure <laughs> no. at the same time and that's why this is such a missed opportunity for me because you had brett the fucking hitman heart yeah you have like, him in the wwe fresh off of like this monstrous controversy right. he could have been the biggest baby face in the universe yeah like and, he would be the guy to fight the nwo if right. anything right and the best they could come up with is that he becomes like this weird ally of the nwo well then he's in the nwo he was in nwo 2000 remember? yes and then he feuded with like Lex Luger and Kurt Hennig. And don't forget about El Dandy. And El da- Dean Malenko. Dean Malenko. It's like, why was he... <laughs> I don't... I, I really don't know. I don't know what they wanted to do. I think, honestly, if I'm thinking right now, I think a lot of what happened was is Goldberg became hot right as he came in. And maybe they were like, well, now we got Goldberg, and he's a bigger... Okay. He comes off as a bigger deal. Okay, you know what? I can't argue with the fact that the timing might not have been ideal. For Brett, it wasn't ideal. Yeah. For WCW, honestly, they had, hot period for they, had two hot, they had two hot things in Brett and Goldberg. And I don't begrudge them for going the Goldberg route, either. You can't, really. No, I mean, they caught lightning in a bottle there, and they, they, they ran with That's probably with one it. of the best things WCW ever pulled off by themselves, not a guy that they acquired. Absolutely, like just uh, like one hundred percent. They did. They put him in the power plant and all that. And Goldberg, DDP, yeah, Sting. Those are some really good organic WCW guys, right? And I mean, WWE took some of their guys too. And in, in all fairness, like Brian Pillman, he was a WCW mm. guy. Yeah, but he didn't. He he, he would have risen if his leg didn't get messed up, and that, then he was. Yeah, that's the, true. That, that's not his. That's a good point. Yeah, but he he was. And just that was a an ECW. That was an ECW where that happened, if you recall. 
Well, it was while he was in ECW. He wasn't supposed to be wrestling, and he got hurt or no, something, No, he got in a right? car accident. Right, but he wasn't he working for ECW at that point when he got in the car accident, if I recall? Because yeah, remember, he came with not, the cane in ECW? But it's not a wrestling injury, Okay, it wasn't a real wrestling related. No. Fair enough. Um, but anyway, so back to Bret Hart real quick. It just, I cannot believe it, but again, I can because it's WCW that they just did not find a way to capitalize on this more. They even had the opportunities because, if you recall, I believe Davey Boy and Jim Neidhart. Jim Neidhart went along with them in protest. They did. They, they could have even had Rick Rude be with them since he was friend and just acknowledge it. Because that, Yeah, they, yeah. There was so much they could have done to say, okay, well, here comes the Hart Foundation 2.0. They could have called them the Hart Clan or something stupid. It didn't matter what they called them. They were the Hart Foundation, basically. Right. Yeah, no, that would have been nice. Yeah. Anything. Anything to utilize the guy properly. Right. And it's WCW. They never really had any... They didn't really give a shit about, like reusing wwe stuff ever so what was their problem with <laughs> using true. wwe stuff then all of a sudden oh no we want him to be part of the nwo and be in our stuff like what yeah i never i just didn't get that i thought they dropped the ball with bret hart and i have to keep saying it but really the downgrade to the u.s title to me in my <laughs> eyes hurt him so much especially since he's not american <laughs> that's not even just it, it just it's all, all it is it's basically saying you know what in wcw bret hart you're really an intercontinental title kind of guy yeah if exactly. you want to put it in wwf terms hell I, the tv title like we mentioned last time that would have been a better title for i him. agree yeah the u.s <laughs> title was whatever no one cared about the u.s title in not as much no honestly when he i had mean they it. used to elevate booker t if i remember and that was pretty good but yeah, but didn't Booker win the TV first in that whole? Yeah, but then he, the U.S. title was the one that said that, "Hey, Booker's ready for the world title now." Oh yeah, didn't he have both at the same time? At some point, when he yeah. came over, when they got bought, he had both, right? Yeah, when but when Booker won the U.S. title, that was the signal for, okay, this guy can hang with the main eventers. He's not just beating up TV title and cruiserweight guys anymore. Right. In fact, Booker T actually got a clean win over Bret Hart in and WCW. Was that was probably with the U.S. title involved? Didn't he win the U.S. title? Brett, he might have. Did he? I don't remember. I have to look that up, but not my not my strong suit. Not, not my late nineties WCW yeah, late, is not my best. That's past the point when WCW started to get a little weird, as I say, a with little, the new logo and all this. Yeah, the new logo yeah. harder to watch. It was oh. just yeah, it was just bad. really garbage. So but you would agree with me, though? I would definitely agree with you. They could have done so much more, and it's really a shame because I think. Brett got traction after a almost it was like a full year before he got traction and yeah. they made him a world champion. Yeah. And, this was... and, that, and then he's just cut, you know, cut short with Goldberg. That and, sucked. And I'm I like to say I really can't blame Goldberg. He was he was green to be fair. He made a mistake. He made one mistake. He'd been pretty safe up to that point from what I've known of him. As far as I understand, and I know Brett didn't begrudge him for yeah. it. Brett was actually very understanding about it. Yeah, it wasn't like he tried to hurt him. No, of course it's not. just a bad move. A, a worse move was putting Brett Hart as the leader of an NWO stable yeah, in NWO 2000. 2000. The AKA Silver and NWO Black. Silver, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Oh, was that like the Techno Team 2000 version of the NWO? <laughs> yeah, I think it was, actually. Yeah. If you don't know who They're Techno like, Team 2000 was, folks, that yeah. was a very bad uh, tag team in 1995 and 1996 the WWF. tag team of the future. Oh, yeah. They they were from the future, if I recall. Yeah, they were from they, the future. They went in a time machine and came to right. WWF. And yeah. fought the likes of like Rad Radford and other <laughs> Man Mountain Rock and stuff. Man Mountain Rock was awesome. My dad Max always Payne. loved Man Mountain Rock just because he had a guitar that was shaped like the WWF logo. Your dad would like that. Yeah, my dad was really into that. Yeah. Yeah. But that was a good wrestler, actually, that guy. When he was Max Payne in WCW. Wasn't he with Mick Foley? Yeah. Yeah, he Great was tag team. partner with him. Ma Max yeah. Payne and Cactus Jack. They were tag champs, if I recall, right? Um, or is that, is that another? Is that, that Norman was... the Lunatic, if I no, think of. No, or... um, you're thinking of Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan were tag champions. I don't think. Oh, I thought he was with Mad Max. Maybe I'm. Mad Maybe they Max. just were a tag team. They were uh, a tag team. Okay. They, they have a very good, I guess you can call it like almost a hardcore match with the Nasties at Spring Stampede 94. Right. Okay. Remember that? That's a yeah. good match. All of WCW 94 is pretty decent, actually. Up until around the time Hogan's influence starts to creep in. Right. Well, you know? Hogan, 96, 97, 98. And I know we disagree, but... 
what? That those years are good, but... Hogan was okay, but, you know, the problem that I have is that he didn't fight Bret Hart. Yes. And that should have happened in 1998. That's what should have happened. That would have actually made sense. I mean, that's a match we all want to see. That is a match we all want to see. And we never really got... I mean, they could have even worked in that he, you know, kind of jumped ahead of Bret at nine. Yeah, oh, with the salt and the... The, the, the ceremonial salt the, the and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and the charging in and being yeah. like, I'll fight him for yeah. you, brother. That's how Hogan talks. It's so... It's garbage. It is garbage. And speaking of garbage, we'll be back right after this. Looks like it's pickup day in more ways than one. George there is using a glad three-ply trash bag from the number one name in trash. The WCW! And Joe's using your typical bargain bag. Or was. Give me strength. Try Glad 3-Ply. They're reinforced. In fact, Glad 3-Ply resists punctures past the average point where most bargain bags fail. It's the strongest regular trash bag we've ever made. It is stronger. Yes, we're number one. We're tough, and we're... The WCW! I don't know how anybody would ever watch WCW over WWE. I mean, I thought it was absolute garbage. All right, wrestling fans, welcome back. OVP Podcast here. Before we move on to our next segment, which is overrated, I'd like to take a moment and plug ourselves. You can reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Also, shoot us an email if you feel like it. People still use email, right? Yeah, I think so. It's a little retro, but people can use it. You can ask us stuff on there. Yeah, so if you want to, that's OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That's OVPPodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, right, Quinn? Yeah, we have a Facebook page. Just look up our vantage point on Facebook. I think that's the best way to find it. Yeah, our vantage point. Also, if you're listening to us on SoundCloud, you don't have to because we're also on iTunes. Right. Subscribe and you can subscribe there. Subscribe there and you can get the episodes. Every week, new episodes. You don't even have to look for it. You no. just they pop up in your iTunes. It's perfect. Yeah. And also we're on Google Play if you don't like iTunes. Yeah, you if you're a Google person, just use that. And you know? we're on Stitcher. Yeah, you're on Stitch we're on the Stitcher now. We're on the Stitcher. The one and only Stitcher. The one and only. So hit us up if you want to. Yeah. We like hearing from people. Right? I love it. We heard from Vader. Yeah, we did hear from Vader. We heard from a lot of guys. Bull Nakano, I think. Craig DeGeorge. Yeah, Craig DeGeorge. I saw that just today, right? We're one step away from Sean Mooney. Oh, (laughs) yeah. If we could get Sean Mooney, I think I would be very happy about that. (laughs) It's time for our next segment. Quinn's going to introduce this. This is, of course, Overrated, where Quinn's going to tell us about something he thinks is overrated. I'm either going to disagree or not disagree, and a discussion will follow. Quinn, what do you got? Okay, so for this week, I think might be a little controversial because it's it's definitely a monumental event. You live life on the edge, Quinn. Yeah, I do like to live life on the edge. I think we look at it as a marker point, but the card itself, I don't like to go back and really watch it because it's just kind of whatever to me. What are we talking about here? We're talking about WrestleMania 14. Hmm. Hmm. Why do you think that is overrated? Well, I just think that there was a lot better cards in the time. I think it's noted more strictly because of the Austin-Michaels match. And as the beginning, maybe, of the Attitude Era? The beginning of the Attitude Era, yeah. I think the—was that around the time when they aired the commercial for the the, the new logo and all that, and the Undertaker throwing people off the building and— <laughs> All that nonsense. You're, well, you're you're mixing two different things. The new logo came out the day after WrestleMania 14. Right. So it's like the marker point, but that that adds actually. You're right. <laughs> Super, Super Bowl, Bowl 99. 99. Right. Yeah. Okay. Where Undertaker's thrown. I wasn't positive if it was in the Super Bowl of 98 or not, but whatever. <laughs> Look up that commercial, by yeah. the way. It is actually still funny. It's pretty good. Yeah. But I just wanted to take a minute, go through the card a little bit. Okay, run it down. Yeah, run it down like you did for WrestleMania 9, you know? Sure. And I don't know. I just, I never really, it never really popped out of me anytime I would watch it again. I'd say, you know, there was better WrestleManias than this. and Okay. It's just a historical man. I'm willing to hear what you have to say. We'll see what I think okay. when it's all said and so done. So the first thing, the first match is that Battle Royal, the Tag Battle Royal. That sucks. But a lot of people remember it for the LOD 2000 thing, right? With the helmets and all that nonsense. That also sucked. And Sonny with the flame bra. And Animal with the bicycle shorts. Yeah, but you know what? As cool as it seemed at the time, and I think we definitely thought it was. Oh, I did. I'm not going to lie. It didn't really lead to anything. Were they even LOD 2000, like, for long? <laughs> like, 
Uh, I don't remember if they stayed LOD 2000. I, think I just they... remember Drunk Hawk came out of it. Yeah, Drunk Hawk. Ugh. Yeah. I think they um, r- slowly reverted to their normal attire. Right. I don't know if they kept... I think they kept the LOD yeah. 2000 name. Just to give you a gist of um, who they last eliminated, which is kind of funny and shows you how meaningless this is, they they eliminated the new Midnight Express Are you last. shitting me? That is true. Looking at it right here. The new Midnight Express. Remember that? Bodacious Bart. Bombastic Bob. Bombastic Bob. Yeah, that garbage. That was bad. Yeah. That was some bad stuff. So there you go. All right, so there's that. I'll concede that one. Yeah. Takamichi Noku versus Agula. That was okay. Yeah, but was Lita involved yet? I don't even no, remember. No, okay. no, Aguilo, that Oh, that was S.A. Rios. Be, yeah, once okay. he became S.A. Rios. Still, though, I That's mean, a decent match. It's a decent match. For but... Raw. <laughs> yeah, it's a Raw match, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing about this time. This is also the time when Raw started to become so important that WrestleMania kind of seemed like, uh, okay, well, we're doing this now. You know, it wasn't, it was before the time when they re-upped their importance of WrestleMania. Kind of, yeah. I would say that um, no one anticipated or looked forward to the Takamichinoku Aguila match. They weren't looking forward to it. No, no. it was like just there. I remember this as a wasn't fan, some blow off to some big feud. No. This was like more like a showcase, if I recall, especially for Taka. For yeah. Taka and the, the the new light title, light heavyweight. Title. Yeah, the light title, the light, the the featherweight belt. Yeah, the whatever. bantamweight. Yeah, WWF championship yeah i do remember as a fan um because i remember very much anticipating wrestlemania 14 but i had no thought or concern whatsoever about the first two matches yeah and and again i think we all anticipated this event oh hell yeah because it was gonna be the michael's uh, michael's tyson in the corner right sure and that's great and all but again it, it looking back on it i think it gets a little overrated okay well, so you... let's go. Let's go through it now. Some more um, Triple H versus Owen Hart. That's kind of underwhelming, honestly. It's underwhelming. There's only, if I recall, some funny parts with Sergeant Slaughter and oh, because they're handcuffed. <laughs> yeah, they're handcuffed. Right? <laughs> it's stupid. It's stupid. It's inoffensive. Yeah, as a match, it's, it's it's okay. It's not yet the Triple H that was in '99. No, and it's sadly not the Owen Hart from '94, '95. No. You it's know, not. he just was. He didn't seem motivated. I, can, I don't blame him. It's, well, it's coming off right after the screw job, exactly. which we just talked about, and he's kind of, he's kind of flat. Wasn't he the black heart or something? At yeah, that point? he was the black heart. It was before the danger tape, the, the caution, danger tape. <laughs> the caution tape. Yeah, the caution he, tape. Before he became heart. a construction zone. Yeah, he was just yeah, the black heart. Exactly. Yeah. And again, just a very whatever match. Yep, um, I agree. The next one. I do. This is memorable because it was the the coming out of Sable. Mark yeah, Maron we mentioned Sable. this. Yeah, last week. Good match, but again, it's fun. it's not it's not the primary thing you remember Sable for. It's one of the things, but I think, right. like we said, the the pasty bra thing. That's is, her legacy. That's her legacy. I, I would say though that out of all the matches you've listed thus far, that's definitely the most entertaining one. Yeah, is by that's, far. That's saying something though, too. Yeah, but you got Goldust, like, and he's fun during that period of time because he's just so yeah. weird. And it's, it, I like that match actually. It's okay, I really do. Yeah, it's not a bad match, but again, um, I'm just pointing out that it's this again. This this card isn't looking like the best WrestleMania ever. No, a, a lot, of, and I think a lot of fans who were introduced to wrestling mm-hmm. at that point, they this is their this is their WrestleMania three, for example. Like this is their big one, or right? the WrestleMania six or yeah, ten something or something like, like that, that right? yeah, or and seventeen. I just, I just I look back at it as somebody who'd been watching for a little bit, and yeah, again, it's not something I go back on fondly. But let's let's we got a couple more matches here. Okay, The Rock versus Ken Shamrock. That's a bad match, if I recall correctly. It's a pretty right? bad match. If, if I remember, um, it's The Rock wins. He wins by reverse decision. Reverse decision, right. If I recall correctly, Shamrock wins with the ankle lock. Yes, there's something with the submission, but then then he won't let go. And then fake refs come out, and he suplexes all these fake refs, and like this fake promoter guy in a suit. That's not a blow-off to a feud at WrestleMania, and I know this feud had been going on for a while, if I recall. For for at least three months, yeah. Yeah, which was long for them back then. It actually was, yeah. Yeah. I I just remember fondly... 
these fake refs come out that are clearly like <laughs> jobbers or indie guys or something. Yeah. And this one guy that's like wearing this brown suit with like a black <laughs> t-shirt and he's like getting all up in his Doesn't face. Doesn't give him the belly to belly. And he gives him the belly to belly. But where do the hell do these guys come from? Right. It, it's just, it's not a way to blow off a feud at Russell. It's a get, it's like I was saying to you about Backlund and Razor Ramon, like, why is this the thing at WrestleMania? Like, not why is this a match? We know why it's a match because there's a feud, but why is this the blow off? Right. You know, like this. This it's not. I, if I recall, they wrestled more after this. Shamrock and Rock. Yeah, they did. And probably the most memorable thing about the Rock at that WrestleMania was Jennifer Flowers. Jennifer interview. Flowers. Of right. Yeah, that, that's memorable. That's the. But again, that's not the match. That's not part of the card. No, and that's actually where he debuts. If you smell what I'm cooking, right. is what he says. And so we got three more matches here. All um, right. The Cactus Jack Chainsaw Charlie versus New Age Outlaws. I don't know that I like that. I don't know that I like it either, and I think it's because, if I recall, they they kind of cheat to get them in the dumpster, and then they use the wrong dumpster, and then the title. It's like a dusty finish. Like <laughs> it is, yeah. yeah. They and, pulled out a dusty not finish. Only, not only is it a dusty finish, but they also cheat because, remember, they put the forklift control on, like, they—, they put like the platter over the dumpster so they can't get <laughs> With out the platter you know how like a forklift has like the thing that lifts it the they, forks the fork itself it like raises above it and then they put it on top of the dumpster door so they can't get out the platter yeah the platter whatever <laughs> <laughs> well, i'm thinking of the thing that's on the fork but yeah <laughs> okay two more matches we got the undertaker versus kane i don't know what i think of that i don't know what i think of it because they face each other like a million times that's the first time that was definitely the most anticipated time it was definitely uh, the most intriguing time i wouldn't say most anticipated what only because um i don't think... bring up 20 or whenever they fought. no 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 I, only because i think that they had a lot more to do with each other that was more anticipated than that and maybe they've been tagging with each other or They'd been involved in triple threats with Stone Cold for the title, if you recall, later on down the line. Yeah, but Quinn, you got I was looking forward more to those. I remember, because this feud dragged on so long. But this was good, because Kane was undefeated at the time. So You're right. So it had this old-school feel of, like, all right, can this guy That's beat fair. his stronger, undefeated younger brother? Yeah. And it had Pete Rose, the first yes, appearance it did Pete have Rose. Pete Rose. But would you say that that match is any good? I'd have to rewatch it. I don't particularly remember I don't being particularly enamored with remember. it. But that's the other thing. It's like you don't really go seek out Kane versus the Undertaker one, really, right? Or any. I mean, I don't yeah. seek out any Kane matches ever. Right. Well, he was fun in the Royal Rumbles, but. Yeah, still. Okay. And then, of course, we have the main event. Yep. Austin versus Michaels. And I think this match is not Sean's finest work. Of course uh, not. He and, was, he and, was yeah. in extreme pain. But I think a lot of people, you know, over-remember it because it's so important to Austin's rise or whatever. It's undoubtedly one of the, if not the biggest moments in Austin's rise. Right. And it meant a lot in terms of kicking off the Austin era, the Attitude Era, and saying goodbye to the new generation era. And you're right in that case, but I don't think it's... I just... I I always hate it because I'm I'm a Shawn Michaels fan. Yeah. And I I feel like it's a kind of crappy way for him... At that point in time, especially for four years straight, I thought he was done, and that was the last I see of my favorite wrestler. So it was kind of a a, a sad way to see him go. Yeah, and he gets punched by Tyson, and this, you know, like it's just it's the attitude era was kicking <laughs> off, man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just it the the event never struck me as the way other people put it. They, I feel like they put it up on a pedestal, and there was better WrestleManias. There certainly were, and even in the Attitude Era. Well, there was one better WrestleMania. WrestleMania 17, and it's the best one ever. That was the end of the Attitude Era. I think those two are the, um, they obviously bookend the Attitude Era as far as WrestleManias are concerned. I do think, though, that that Austin match set the template, because you had two guys that were still rather injured. I mean, Michaels was very injured. Austin had that neck injury yeah. that he dealt with for a long time. It's almost surprising Michaels was the one that had to take the time off over Austin, considering the extent of the injury. Sean's was a, just a back injury, a herniated disc that probably could have been repaired with surgery. Yeah, I mean, it took him four years to get back into it. Austin did wind up taking that time off in late 99 into most of 2000. Which is when Sean came back. No, I mean... Well, because Sean came back in 02. 
Yeah, but Austin came back in in the late two thousand September. Right, but Austin faded out when Sean came, is what I'm getting at. Y- yeah, the yeah. second time Austin yeah. left. Yes, something with the coach. I don't remember. Anyway, what I was trying to say here is that that match is a very good template for that attitude era brawly main event style yeah. that Austin really propounded throughout '98 with guys like McFoley. You're right, Kane, Undertaker. You're right, and I don't think that match is really the argument for overrated. It's it's kind of just the card, the card as a whole. Itself. It has a, a, an important feel to it, which I will say the last there hadn't been an important feel WrestleMania since maybe ten. You're right. You're right, but I, I... 11 was held, I think, in my bathroom. I'm not sure where that one was. <laughs> 12 is in dead-ass Anaheim. We yeah, discussed oh, 12 yeah. on our first yeah. show, I believe. And, it and was, 13, again, is just... It's a bad card. 13 is a bad card. Just no, no But those are not disputed. It. I think just WrestleMania 14 is elevated a little too high. Yeah, and I'm saying there's some, there's some reasons for that that have a lot less to do with match quality, I think, yeah. than they do with other factors. And like we say with 6... It's not the best match quality, but it's fun. I don't, I guess I personally do not get the same enjoyment out of it as even, say, a WrestleMania 2000. Ooh. I, and I know I, that's a bad card. Yeah. But there's just some fun stuff at that. At, oh, I'm telling you, if I had to choose between 14 and 2000, I would go with 14 all day long. I know no that 2000 gets it. a bad rep because of the main event, but I, I always like the turn that um, DX does on Kane. You do? I don't know why. It just it seems like stuff is happening at this. It's not it's not a means to the end rather than a continuation, you know? I thought DX turned on Kane at fifteen. Oh right. See? Ah. That's a perfect time to move on to our <laughs> next segment, which is underrated. And for this one, Quinn, I'm gonna throw one out there. I don't know what your thoughts are gonna be, but I think this guy does not get enough credit. Um, just watching him over the years, um, you know, as an adult, because it's someone I certainly probably didn't appreciate that much back then. And we've briefly touched upon this upon <laughs> this concept before, but Bam Bam Bigelow. Very underrated. I think I so. I agree with you. Totally. I, th- I think he might get overshadowed sometimes by by uh, Vader, mm. because in terms of their the way they were positioned, they were somewhat similar. Yeah. The 400-pound big man that'll kick your ass and'll do a moonsault. Yeah. I mean, Bam Bam was a big deal when he came out, from my understanding. I think 87, 87. or something. Paul Heyman promoted him. 87 is when he signed with WWF, too. And he um, had this whole angle, which was kind of cool, where a bunch of different managers were all clamoring right. to kinda sign Kind of like the Macho. Kind of like the Macho Man. Except it wound up being the worst possible manager, uh, Oliver Humperdinck, as a face. Or Engelbert Humperdinck, as I call him. But nobody's going to get that. You do call him that. Don't I, look up Engelbert Humperdinck. It's not. It's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't know why I just always call him that. Because it's a singer. And why does he have, like, a magic cane with him? That's or a magic wand, I believe. A magic he wand. actually looks like one of the Koopa kids. He does, right? Yeah. I don't know which one. Fireball, tell me which one. Mike, <laughs> Mike Fireball, if you're listening, shoot me a text right now as you're listening to this and tell me which Koopa kid he looks like. <laughs> but I would say Bam Bam is, is underrated. I mean, he came in in 87. He was a big deal. Yeah. And he no. had kick-ass music. His face yeah. music. He was. He, it's good. And it just sucks seeing him get job to, like, one-man gang at WrestleMania 4. I never understood why he didn't go further in that tournament. I, I think he had a knee injury. Or was it just because they wanted Macho Man to just kind of not have some real competing faces with him there, like, that to highlight Macho? Yeah, it's, that's a good point, actually. There aren't that many competing faces in that tournament. Cause no. Steamboat gets eliminated in the first round. That always pissed me off. Morocco doesn't make it, and Morocco yeah. wasn't that big a face anyway. The Steamboat thing is more annoying because he had just come off WrestleMania three. Yeah, and you could have had Savage Steamboat too. But yeah. that, you know what? In Atlantic City, at that crowd with that venue, that wouldn't have been. Could time you to imagine do it. St- Savage Steamboat two in the middle of that tournament? That would have been strange. Yeah, but it would have brightened up that boring ass tournament. That's true. Back to Bigelow here. So his initial face run, it was short, but he was over. Yeah. And it was a big deal. I mean, he was a big deal in that Survivor Series 87, if you recall. He made yeah. it longer than Hogan. That's Hogan true. Hogan got eliminated before I never he got did. the feeling like they were pushing him right in the first run. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Even when he's with the Hogan in Survivor yeah. Series, I never get the feeling like we're supposed to care about him. Like, it's it, again, it, it always feels like we're supposed to care about Hogan and Andre in that. Right. 
You know, it's just a continuation of that. Bam Bam's just there. Yeah, I think we were supposed to care about Hogan and Andre. So then, of course, when he when he came back as a heel, I know I know, I know he went to Japan. He actually was a tag team with Vader. They won the IWGP. That sounds like tag an awesome titles. tag team, right? I, I never... wish that I could watch old Japanese wrestling, but it's not really. I think you can with New Japan World, but were they even in New Japan? Was that all Japan? IWGP I... is New Japan. Oh, it was IWGP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they were a tag team, and they won the tag titles, I believe, which is really cool. That's a cool. That's tag a team. cool tag team because Vader's kind of like he was newer then. He was newer than Bam Bam at that point. Right. I get, or they, maybe they came up around the same but time. But Vader, I don't think, was prominent until like 1990 or something like that. Bam Bam was a little earlier. Like as in Japan I even. I don't know when their team was. It might have been 91 or something like that. Yeah. So when he came back as a heel, uh, as a kid, I remember Bam Bam was in the corporation when I started watching. Yeah. And I was like, this guy sucks. Like, what is this guy? Yeah. You know, I didn't care about him. I was like, who cares about Bam Bam Bigelow? Yeah, that that's when they started he felt less important. Yeah. I think. And then he had the of course the Lawrence Taylor feud. Right. Which I'm gonna give Bam Bam credit. He carried the guy to a hell of a match right. for a celebrity. I, I that match, you know what? It it's a it's a, a paper match. it's a pay per view that has Sean and Diesel on it, and you would think that that should be the best match. But somehow to me, always Taylor and Bam Bam just seems better for some reason. I'd argue that you're right on that, yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a well-worked match. And I think half of that is also Sean and Diesel are a little miffed that they're not in the main event. Probably, and, and also... They're the, not trying as much. Yeah, and the way they built the Sean-Diesel feud, it, it, it's so hard for you to not want to just cheer Sean during that because Diesel's a yeah. seven-foot guy. Yeah, it makes no sense. Sean's bumping around for him. And his bodyguard turned on him. Or he turned on his yeah. bodyguard. Whatever. He, he They should have done it the other way anyway. Like, Sean shouldn't have been the heel, but... Yeah, but... That's that a discussion Diesel for era, time. as yeah. we mentioned recently, yeah. you know. So anyway, and then, of course, the fire jacket for Bam Bam yeah. So I'm just kind of recapping his career, folks, uh, in WWF anyway. And he wound up in WCW in the later 90s, if you recall. He yes. was in ECW as well yeah, before that. I, I, I more remember his ECW run when that they went through the... The floor with Taz. with Taz, that thing, went through the ring apron or whatever. And that might have been, like, his... That was a... I, w- I was glad he had a nice run in the ECW. That's... You know, that... I've... My understanding is that that really revitalized his career. Yep. Yep. I don't think WCW would have picked him up and signed him to whatever they signed him to right. if, if he had not shown up in ECW. You're he right. He was awesome. I agree with you. And so when I look back now and I watch some Bam Bam stuff, you know, if he happens to be wrestling on yeah. 93 show, 94 show, he's good. Yeah, doesn't he have some good stuff in the King of the Rings that 90, he's in? 93 against Brett. Yeah. That was a really good match. And it's not just all Brett. I mean, Bam Bam could work. Yeah. Bam Bam is a really good worker. He and is. And I will say that about him. He's a him. good big man. And I think that's what a lot of people need to go back and find Yeah, Bam Bam. That, that's the stuff... People look at him and they're like, oh, what is this, like the big boss man or something like that? It's, Who's also very good. He's also very good, but again, not regarded for in-ring work. Yeah, I think, you know, you don't want to compare Bam Bam Bigelow to King Kong Bundy. Yeah. They're not the same. Yeah. Or it's One true. Man Gang. I mean, he was okay, but, you know. Yeah. You mean Akeem? Yeah, that guy. <laughs> same guy. Yeah. But Bam Bam had some quality matches with Brett. I know that he had a very good... He was part of a very good six-man tag at SummerSlam 93. Right. He had a good feud with Tatanka, wrestling-quality-wise. It wasn't too yeah. bad. He was a good wrestler. I, I, I like just him. don't think he gets enough credit. Maybe he does. I always underrated him, at least. You know, I never— <laughs> I think a big problem with Bam Bam—this <laughs> is just unfortunate, and I prob- it, they probably thought it was cool when he first came. I always hated the fire tights thing. I know his head's got the fire. But the fire really, jumpsuit? Does he really need, like, a fire jumpsuit? What's wrong with it? <clears throat> I don't know. It's just... There's something lame about it to me. I don't know what it is. It's just... Couldn't they think of anything else than that? I know he's got the fire on his head, but... I like the fire tights. I don't. It never perturbed you at all. Like it just—he looks a little silly. It doesn't bother me. What did bother me was the flame jacket when he turned well, face. Well, now, yeah, now he's more flamey. Now he's more flaming more. He's flaming hot Cheeto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He. I. I. I get the whole. It's supposed to match his his head thing, but I don't know. It's a little much for me. That his his tights always that that always made him look stupid to me. I don't know why. I didn't mind it. No. I'll be honest with you. No, I thought I just I really like watching him now in retrospect. 
dude can do a moonsault. He's rough, too. Like, you feel like yep. he could actually hurt somebody. Yep, he had a good look. or Like, he just looked like he was going to kick your ass. Body-wise, yeah. Again, I don't like the tights, but yes, he looks like he could kick someone's ass. Yep. So He's got that Vader quality about him. He does. Yeah. So now when I see him on, or on whatever, I get really happy. I'm like, yeah, Bam Bam. I like yeah. Bam Bam. Yeah. You know? Bam Bam Bigelow! Bam Bam Bigelow! Bam, yeah, do that. Yeah, he, just a overall underrated wrestler i would say so um, is he in the hall of fame i don't believe so he is he should, i i would want him to be if he isn't i, I can't remember is, now but... because you got the likes of coco beware in there you can't really sometimes yeah. you can't pinpoint in your brain where if if they are aren't and there's too many people in the hall of fame yeah i know well they have to do it every year so yeah. you got to pick people i mean you would think if rikishi's in bam bam should be in i agree but you know. i don't think bam bam's in and I can't be positive he is. I, he should be if he's yeah. not. And obviously, by the time you're listening to this, you can just look this up and tell us that we're wrong. Yeah. Remember to tweet at us at OVP Podcast. Yeah. And you can email us at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's OVP Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We, Hit us we're up. We're on everything. We're on everything. MySpace, I think. Not the MySpace, MySpace. but we may be on MySpace. Friendster. Friendster. ICQ. I think you can download us on Napster. <laughs> yeah, uh, LimeWire, I think we're yeah, going to be on. Morpheus. Yeah. I- IRC chat. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> Usenet. Yeah. We'll be back right after this. Every day, America Online is making it easier for people to live, work, and play. Hey, Dan, ready for the game? I'm just finishing up here with my new kayaking friends. Kayaking friends on your computer? Yeah, I just got America Online. Sounds great. Listen, I can't go to the game today. What? I've got to send something for my mom's birthday. It's tomorrow. I'll then book plane tickets for our trip next week, and my kids got to go to the library to look up dinosaurs. Hey, we can take care of all that before we go. Yeah, right. Oh, with America Online. America Online can do all that? Yeah. How about sending your mom some nice flowers? All you do is click on Marketplace. We place an order. Flowers are sent. Now let's access the online travel service. How long have you had this? I don't know! All right, welcome back. Hope you had a chance to get some groceries. Yeah. It's time for our next segment here. This is our then and now segment. This is very simple. This is where, after watching wrestling for 20-plus years, your perspective might change from when you were a younger fan, you know, maybe 10 years old, to 30 years old. Totally. Kind of like we are, perhaps, maybe. Possibly. Quinn, what do you got? What's changed? I think what's changed is my perception on a time period that oh. I'm going to bring up. All right. Um, I'll set the stage, really. Ooh, I like it. Okay, so it was about late 96, and WCW is killing it. Mm-hmm. And it was a time period where I felt at that point that the WWE was a bit stale. Oh, yeah. And you can still argue that it may be a, a maybe may have been stale, but... A lot of cool things happened in it, and I'm going to say it's the time period of about late 96, the last couple pay-per-views of 96, to about the build-up to WrestleMania 13. Yeah, that's a cool time period. It's a cool time period, and I know Mick Foley himself has said in some DVD that it was a a time (laughs) period where um, he felt the show's quality was better, but nobody was noticing because the NWO was red hot and WCW was just on a roll. I would agree to to a large extent with that. It's the perceptible difference came around September, October '96. Right, I think a little later, even. Really, I would say it, uh, to the mainstream started at least. to kick in in September, October. But let me let me go over a couple things. I thought I I've looked back, and I think we watched together mm-hmm. that are definitely way different than how I guess I perceived it and way different than what WCW was doing. Okay. Um, just the emergence of Austin at that point, yeah. especially in late 96. That's not, a lot of people overlook that. They kind of think back to the King of the Ring 96. Yeah. But Austin on the mic is like the best part of that show. He's hysterical. He's, it's not, it's not even just the, you know, he's breaking the rules. He's actually funny. He's very funny. You know, like, uh-huh. Like, and he just doesn't care, and he's pushing around people, authority figures, and this is even, you know, I think it's before we got to the McMahon getting stunned thing. Oh, yeah, it's a year before that. It's well before. way before But he's already exhibiting these, um, 
He's these a, behaviors. He's an asshole. But in in a more it's it's still more comedic. But I almost like that version of Austin, the more comedic version of that whole thing. I definitely overlooked that at the time. I definitely did kid. too. I didn't realize how funny it was and oh, how yeah groundbreaking it was wcw they had the nwo but they didn't really push i i guess like the thing the difference with austin about pushing the envelope was that it felt like he could get shut off of tv like legitimately yeah like you didn't know what this guy was gonna say he was just really insane almost he took every opportunity he had to just be defiant against all authority including the sponsors of the show of everything yeah he was always on bret hart's ass yeah like months it was that there was a lot of that and a lot of that fed into the undercard yeah i felt um there was a lot of things going on at the time. If I recall, there there's um, some funny stuff with the um, the Bulldog and Owen Hart. Oh yeah, they're they're awesome during that period of time. Um, because of Austin, there isn't there that thing at like the December pay per view of '96 where they're fighting in the bathroom. I don't or know what pay per view that is, but there's something with it's them. that same one where the Executioner fights the Undertaker, That's and that match is silly too. That match is ridiculous, but it's so fun. There's a there basically Austin sets a tone in that time period of just like like Vince had always, you know, had that stupid moniker that anything could happen in the World Wrestling Federation. But it finally felt like it. Right. I I I bring up that executioner thing because that match is one of those things that I remember like in my brain I thought it was just a throwaway thing. Yeah. But then when we look back and watch this thing, they're fighting outside the arena. He's th- he throws him into like a fountain outside the arena, like down like a like a, he does. like an easement or something. Like it's really bizarre. You know what's funny about that Undertaker executioner match is the person that carries the whole match is mankind. Yes. <laughs> he's not yeah, even he's in, not even in not it. Even yeah. In it. <laughs> there's there there's that kind of stuff. There's things like the Pillman's got a gun. Well, of course, yeah, we we know that was And we brought that up before. We didn't really go into it, but that is just one of those things that is so experimental. Oh, definitely. That, that was it, a huge chance. It's so it it's even bizarre looking back to it. It is. It's it's definitely out of nowhere for them. It's out of nowhere. It's more realistic than anything the WWE does now or has been since. I think it went too far. Yeah. In the realistic factor to the point where they were like, we can't do that again. They like, actually had to apologize for Pillman's language and everything. Right. But I mean, I, as a kid, I wasn't sure. If I'm going to say real. the same like, thing. I wasn't like, I, he sold that. Like, I a knew champ. wrestling wasn't real by then. But you thought maybe, thought maybe these guys don't there. like each other yeah. in, in the back or something. And there's something else to this that we don't know. I did. Like, I wasn't sure too when that show went off the air. I was. I didn't know if that was real or not. Yeah, I, I was really like, did they know. have to shut? Like the way it went off, I was like, did they have to shut this off because it was like he? They had to get the cops there or something. Yeah. Like I don't. The, wow, and that and I love the risk taking. Yeah, of that era. That was ballsy. That was ballsy. They were doing everything they could to compete with WCW, and not a lot of people noticed at the time. You're right. But that is a good period of time. Yeah, late 96 into 97, obviously, then Raw takes off, becomes a two-hour show. And there's even more. There's chock full of stuff in this. There, there's what else? The Nation of Domination is not really appreciated in retrospect of how ballsy. And again, you're pushing the race card hard. Hard. Farouk's like, promos, man, were... Farouk is one of the most awesome. underappreciated things. Yeah. I... It's believable that he is, like, oppressed or something. Yeah. Within, like, that there's maybe something going on in the back. Yeah. That, like, he needs to get a gang of other dudes to back him up and, like... Right. And then he's got those rapper guys with him. PG-13. PG-13. They look goofy now, they look goofy now but I would gather that people in the middle parts of the country thought, oh, wow, these are really, you know, these are real rappers, and, you know, they might be dangerous. Like, because... They did look a little slimy and, like, possibly, like, they didn't look like they were from the WWE. Let's put it that way. Yeah, they look like they're people you'd see at 7-Eleven at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, but they look like hoodlums. Like, people who like would cause said, some trouble. people you'd see at 7-Eleven at 11 o'clock I'm just at saying night. they look like people who would cause some trouble and cause an incident. But let's put it that way. Buy some taquitos. <laughs> but there was copious amounts of crap in late 96 though Clint. there was it was littered still with crap and a lot of that was still because of the whole like they were still doing a lot of the 
gimmicky jobber things. Yeah, like we mentioned last week. Right. And that kind of— Crush with the face tattoo. And that's the stuff that, you know, I think the era is recognized for, even that late 96 period. But if you look at those shows, it's— to me, it comes off more experimental, and it even leaks into 97, and there's there's one other moment in there that I really wanted to bring up. I think it's, to me, it's the best Raw closing I've ever seen, period. Is this from the Bret Hart heel turn, or the Bret Hart tirade episode? The tirade, yeah, from when March he punches Pat Patterson. This is March 17th, 97, I believe it's the, it's the Raw right before WrestleMania 13. Correct. It's the last Raw. This is where Sid... Um, beats Bret Hart in a steel cage match. Right. Austin had tried to interfere on Bret's behalf only so Bret would win the title yeah. for the WrestleMania match. Undertaker interfered on Sid's behalf. But before this all gets started, the uh, or after after all that happens, the match. Yeah, Bret itself, goes on this tirade against Vince McMahon. He he says this is bullshit this on is TV. Bullshit. Doesn't get doesn't get censored. Yep. They have to apologize. Yep. All this is happening, but then the breakdown is just insane. Steve Austin appears on the Titantron. Steve Austin appears on the Titantron, starts ranting and raving that, you know, you screwed it all up. I could have faced you for the title. You're, You're a loser. You're a loser. And then Brett says something about your stones are so cold. He called, yes, your stones are so cold. And then, um, and then Sid runs out. Then Sid runs out, and he looks directly in the camera, I swear, and... He what what does he say, Joe? He says, "I don't know shit." Yeah, because <laughs> Brett's saying something, yelling something at him. Like, you know what everybody knows. You it. know what everyone and knows. Sid's like, it. I don't know shit. <laughs> yeah. Know so shit. Sid's going crazy. He comes out. Then Undertaker comes. Then out. Then Undertaker strolls on out, and he starts fighting with them. So you got Austin, Brett, Undertaker, and Sid all fighting, and then Brett is on the ramp. And he punches Pat Patterson. Yes. And then Austin strolls his way down, but not just a stroll. He runs out and he starts just hammering Bret yeah. Hart. And then to top it all off, at the very end, at the very end, somebody who's supposed to be injured, Shawn Michaels comes, starts dancing all around with a chair with and all chair. this. And Vince is yelling on the mic, "He's gonna get hurt and he's yeah. gonna die and all this." And then and that's how it closes. And that's how it closes. And this is the show right before WrestleMania. That was a great go-home show. And I think it illustrates how, from that late period point, how they had built up all this interconnecting web of storylines. That's true, and they, Sean didn't like Sid. Right, and I think it illustrates how much storytelling was actually happening from that time there period. There was on. a lot, and it involved all your serious talent. Right. Owen and Bulldog also were in the midst of the Bret and Austin feud, which was very weird at yeah. the time, because Austin was a heel. Correct. Still, even though people were cheering him, he was still technically a heel. And that's, I think, that bathroom brawl thing. That, yeah. And which was hilarious, by the way. I I, I don't I, know if it's, I think Austin puts one of their heads in a toilet. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. Um. So Austin's a heel, but so are Bulldog and Owen. Right. But the, he's fighting with them, but Brett's a face, but people are booing him. Right. It was very interesting. It's chaotic, and that's when the WWE's at its best. Sean's a face, but he's being a big asshole. Like half he's the just crowd starting. is against him. He's yeah. just starting. It and it had happened because of you so, know he had the injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, the injuries that yeah. may or may not have been real injuries. Quinn did but, some air quotes there. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, it was just a chaotic time. Sid was world champion Sid, somehow. And he was loved. <laughs> I loved him. Sid was, that's what that Who's the Man stuff I was talking about Which that started. I still say is Vader, but fine. He was doing it. I don't think he said Who's the Man. <sighs> Whatever. The point is, is he that, might have. The point is, is that you had all these main eventers interconnected. Absolute chaos. It was involving some of the mid card, some of the tag division. Yeah. Just tons of guys. Austin being disruptive. And. All we look back on it in the general populace is the Sultan. At, is the Sultan and all Fake the garbage? Razor, Ramon and yeah, Diesel. Th- this is what they look at. Furnace and Lafon. But if you go and dig deep and look under the surface, there's just a ton of stuff. There is, and it's very entertaining television. I would recommend going on the network and just starting watching Raw from that point on. Yeah, I'd start just for well, context. I would start in September for September. Context. I was going to say September for context. Too. Yeah, yeah, because that's when Austin starts picking on Bret Hart. And that's when Owen and Bulldog win yeah. the tag titles. Right. It's before Sean versus Sid, so you need a little bit of immediate context. Yeah. I'd start in September. Post SummerSlam is when it became good, right? It really is, it's, and it's just it's overlooked. Yeah, and I think there's a good Brett uh, Stone Cold at Survivor Series match as well, which it's fantastic is fantastic. Not it's not really highlighted as the main Brett 
Austin matches right, because 13 is. But 13 was even better. But yeah. the Survivor Series match is really good. Yeah, so there's a lot to dig in there. You got um, JR's heel turn, which was really weird. That's subtle, but it too. Was and he's interesting. And he's talking about Vince. That's where Vince really became outed as the owner of the company. And that's another interesting twist and factor that's going on in all of this. This, A lot of it is that there seems to be a prevailing thought that Vince is losing control of the show. But nobody is supposed to say that Vince is in control of the show at the right. same time. And Vince himself kind of acts like he's losing control of the show. Right. He does. And people, some there's, there's times where some of these main eventers are calling him out at the desk. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, Sean, Brett, Austin, and, and you're not really supposed to know because it was a, a it was a very protected secret on the show. On the show, yeah, not yeah, in real life, not in real knew. life, people but knew, yeah, but it was people knew. But on the show, it was never on the really show, mentioned. It was never acknowledged whatsoever for years. <laughs> That's true. Vince had been on the show since the early '80s and never been acknowledged as the since, owner or the owner's son the at the time. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I that that was an interesting period of time 100% agree it is something that I did not appreciate it's it almost infuses a it's a controlled ECW feel yeah and that's kind of when Vince first started uh doing a little bit of business with ECW if yeah. you remember at the Mind Games pay-per-view in September he had a uh, Sandman Tommy Dreamer and I believe Paul yep, Heyman the ECW guys start to factor in when was the ECW Raw February of 97 so there it, it does fall in that period mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Uh, just crazy stuff. That like, was interesting, too. Yes. Um, that was interesting because I had just never seen another promotion other than WCW being acknowledged, period. On screen, yeah. Yeah. That didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, I guess Smoky Mountain, but who cared about that? And that was in the early 90s. And they did the NWA later. And that was a parody, almost. Right. Jim Cornette with the running around seven yeah. with the seven belts and with all With the that. Uh, bodacious Bart and Midnight Express Jeff and Jarrett and his, like, Aztec blanket costume. Yeah, and he was the United States NWA. North American. North American, that's right. North American. Yeah, it's just weird I'm stuff. I'm not a Jeff Jarrett fan. But let's, to get back to the point. 96. Late 96, early 97. Is there a lot of crap? Yes. Is there a lot of crap? Yes. But I think the innovations the experimentations it's overlooked the the pure chaos the great storytelling the fantastic characters strong characters overall make it a a a short time period that um i think then and now um it looks much better when you look back back at it i did not appreciate it but if you look and count the roster real quick you got brett sean sid Mm. austin undertaker vader mankind farouk Bulldog, um, Bulldog Owen. Owen. I mean, that's that's yeah. just that's quality right yeah. there. Those are quality guys yeah. to have and on the roster. And you have a slow formation of the Nation of Domination. Mm-hmm. You got the initial members of Crush and uh, Savio. Well, Crush and Farouk, really, and then Crush and Farouk. But Savio came later, right? Savio was a few months later. Yeah. I just remember he that was, those were there. the original three. By the time we got to thirteen, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, you had your crap, you had your Sultan, your Rocky Maivia, mm. your fake Razor and Diesel, your Philip and Furnace Lafon. Oh, and that Rocky Sucks stuff start to happen during that, yeah, too? Yeah, early 97. Yeah, so, so it's like a lot of, just a lot of important stuff that led into the Attitude Era. The Attitude, the attitude, the attitude. Era, the, the attitude Era would not have been possible without that groundwork being laid in a time when they were... Being overlooked quite a bit. I agree. Um, it was kind of a pre-attitude era. It's a pre-attitude era. Yeah, and I, I don't even. I I don't like to consider that part of the new generation era because I really feel like there is a a mood change that distinctly happens during that time. Yeah, it's right around the summer of '96. Yeah. Right yeah. around the end of the summer there. Right. Some people say it started with King of the Ring, but Austin didn't really do much. No, until he the, didn't. From June to September, he did almost nothing. They let him go. Yeah. Do his thing after that yeah it was yeah. around september you're right so i would definitely agree with you that as a kid i did not appreciate I any of that i don't think i really truly understood the magnitude of what was happening me neither but it's and, great to watch now yeah it's fantastic to watch now. it might be better than some of the attitude era stuff i agree i, I absolutely agree and it might be a bold statement for some people but it yep. might be better yep and if you can overlook folks you know your salvatore sinceres your stalkers you know all that crap there's a lot of good stuff yeah. buried in there Unfortunately, that's the stuff that the era gets labeled with, as we said. It does, you know, but I would take any of that over uh, 95 mm. 
And as yeah. you brought up about 94, there's a lot of crap in 94, too. Yeah. And that doesn't get labeled as a terrible year. Yeah, exactly. But there's a lot of crap in 99. Take that 94 mentality, apply it to that late 96, exactly. 97, early 97, and you will enjoy the crap yeah. out of those episodes. Get past the bullshit, because yeah. there's always bullshit. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of fun stuff. It was almost like they were screwing with the protocol of how to do a wrestling show. They were just trying to figure out how to compete, really. And it was really cool. It's awesome. And it didn't get the acclaim, I think, that it deserved at yep. the time. I, I would totally critically, agree with that. Critically, if you if I was the critic, I'd say it's some of the WWE's best work. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. And not in terms of wrestling quality, though. Yeah, not in terms of wrestling quality, but in, in storytelling, yes. In storytelling and in unpredictability and not knowing what's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, and breaking the norm, definitely. Yeah. I would 100% agree there. Speaking of breaking the norm, Quinn, <laughs> we're just about out of time here. So, folks, yes, I would... Are. I would like you to, as I say, tweet at us at OVP Podcast. You can email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That's OVPPodcast at gmail.com. Get it right. Get it right. You can Or pay the price. <laughs> you can also subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe on Google Play. You have nothing to lose. Just go for it. You'll get updates every time we release a new episode. You can contact us. You can hear from us. Yeah. If you love this podcast, you want to do that. We want to hear from you. What do you want us to talk about? Do you like what we're talking about? Does it make sense? I think it does, but... I think it does, too. Yeah. Anyway, folks, we're just about out of time here. It's been a great show. Great talking to you, Quinn. Great we week. will see you guys next week or, or next year if you go by Quinn's chronology. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they might see us next year. I don't know. You might see us next year. That's all, folks. We'll see you next time, wrestling fans. See ya. It has been said that anything can happen here in the World Wrestling Federation, but now more than ever, truer words have never been spoken. This is a conscious effort on our part to open the creative envelope, so to speak, in order to entertain you in a more contemporary manner. Even though we call ourselves sports entertainment because of the athleticism involved, the key word in that phrase is entertainment. The WWF extends far beyond the strict confines of sports presentation into the wide-open environment of broad-based entertainment. We borrow from such program niches like soap operas, like the days of our lives, or music videos such as those on MTV, daytime talk shows like Jerry Springer and others, cartoons like the King of the Hill on Fox, sitcoms like Seinfeld, and other widely accepted forms of television entertainment. We in the WWF think that you, the audience, are quite frankly tired of having your intelligence insulted. We also think that you're tired of the same old simplistic theory of good guys versus bad guys. Surely the era of the superhero who urged you to say your prayers and take your vitamins is definitely passe. Therefore, we've embarked upon a far more innovative and contemporary creative campaign that is far more invigorating and extemporaneous than ever before. We are responsible television producers who work hard to bring you this outrageous, wacky, wonderful world known as the WWF. Through some 50 years, the World Wrestling Federation has been an entertainment mainstay here in North America and all over the world. One of the reasons for that longevity is as the times have changed, so have we. Will you stop?